Hampton Roads, welcome to another edition of Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna. Alongside me, as usual, CFP Allison DeBrill. Together, we come to you live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month to dialogue with you, take your calls if you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation then we'd love to hear from you. All we need is your first name and city you're calling from. And no matter what Allison and I are talking about, if it's important to you and it's important to us, we'll get you right on air. 627-7979. That's 627-7979. Wealthway Financial Advisors is the proud sponsor of Dollars and Common Sense. We are an independent registered investment advisor, which means we're legally held to a fiduciary standard to put our clients' interest ahead of our own in any business dealing. And that's the way it should be when you work with a financial advisor. As the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. So by design, we can't work with everyone. We work with a relatively small group of high net worth individuals, but that's one of the reasons we feel so strongly about coming here every second and fourth Tuesday at 6 p.m. That's to reach out and help as many people in the Hampton Roads listening area that we can achieve your measure of financial success. Because it is a core belief at Wealthway Advisors that the overwhelming majority of people in this country have the opportunity for financial security if they choose it. And it's a choice because it takes some time, it takes some effort, and it takes some knowledge. We are here to help. You got to take that first step, though. Pick up the phone, give us a call, 627-7979. Whether you want to talk about anything having to do with the investment markets, the economy, insurance products like life insurance, health insurance, property casualty, taxes, tax planning, tax reduction strategies, you know, tax due date is right around the corner here. Tax planning, however, is year round. You want to talk about retirement plans, retirement planning, 401ks, 403bs, TSPs, IRAs, Roth IRAs, mortgage options, social security claiming strategies, or estate planning, wills and trusts. All that and more falls under the umbrella of personal finance we are here to discuss this evening. 627-7979. Good evening, Allison. Good evening. Tonight we're going to talk about something we haven't talked about in, I don't know, Probably 15 a decade. years? Yeah, over, right. 15 sure. years or so? We haven't, there's been no point in even paying attention to this for so long. Yeah. But we're starting to get questions about cash where do you park your cash these days yeah and when we say cash we mean sort of like very liquid uh bank savings type of accounts um so not actual physical bills that oh yeah those go in the freezer (laughs) or under the mattress (laughs) or in the coffee can uh yeah we're not actually talking about the uh the currency cash But uh, the short-term savings money for your emergency fund or for upcoming vacations or for potential house remodel, uh, over the last almost 10 years, uh, the rates of return on cash have been negligible. Um, 
as close to zero as you can pretty much get, 0.01% in many cases in on basic savings accounts. Uh, now, a lot of that has been driven by the low, historically low interest rate environment we were in for about the last 10 years. But now with uh, an increase in inflation and a corresponding increase in interest rates has come an increase in savings account rates. So we thought we'd delve a little bit deeper into uh, how you can uh, maybe earn a little bit more on that short-term money, but still keep it safe and liquid. Yeah, first, let's just address, you know, I guess how much you should keep in the bank. It's very personal. It depends on your personal financial situation. But a very general rule of thumb is that you should have between three to six months worth of living expenses set aside in a fairly liquid rainy day fund. So three to six months worth of living expenses. Now, if you have um, unpredictable income, you might want to have a little bit more. Or if you have short-term goals that we would define as probably three years or less, mm -hmm. if you plan on buying a home or doing a big renovation or taking the, the trip of a lifetime, then that might be a reason to keep more than just your basic three to six months worth of living expenses. But once you've got that true emergency fund, you really want to invest anything else that's not needed in the next one to three years. Mm -hmm. And before we get into some of those details, as promised, when we have a caller on the line, we are going to go and speak to that caller. Right now, we're going to Carrollton to speak to Warren. Good evening, Warren. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Um, yeah. My question is, on uh, required minimum distribution, which I will be doing this year. And I have two qualified accounts. One is an IRA, and the other one is a still existing 401k. And my question is, does uh, the calculation for that re require you to um, remove amounts from each account, or do they let you aggregate it and you pay basically one payment uh, for the RMD? Okay, good question, Warren. And are you still employed? No. Okay. Would you consider yourself fully retired? Uh, yes. Okay. Okay, so it's a good question, Warren. Uh, with individual retirement accounts, traditional IRAs, simple IRAs, SEP IRAs, you are able, able to aggregate the required minimum distributions and take them from one account if you would like for, for various reasons, investment reasons or allocation or what have you. Uh, my understanding is that 401k required minimum distributions do have to come out of their specific plan. Yeah, usually because there's a separate plan administrator who is responsible for ensuring the correct amount of the required minimum distribution. So that one kind of does get carved out a little bit, but technically you, the taxpayer, are responsible for making sure you take out the total required minimum distribution uh, whether it's uh, two plans, one plan, two plans like you have here, or you could have five or six different IRAs 
uh, spread out. We wouldn't recommend that, but some people do. Um, you don't have to take it out of each of them pro rata. You do have to take out a, a total amount uh, to satisfy the RMD. Does that so make sense? Do you, do you know if the IRS forms guide you through that, or do you have to guess? <laughs> the calculation, you mean? Well, actually, if I have to take a certain amount of the, out of the 401k and then out of the um, IRA, does the form, you know, guide you through doing that? Yeah, well, just to clarify, that like Allison was saying, typically the money you have to take out of 401k will probably be handled by your employer's third-party administrator. Yeah, so I don't know that you necessarily need a form. I guess that would depend on your custodian, whoever's holding your accounts. Um, and each custodian usually does the calculation for you on what is required to come out of each of your accounts. And then you can give them instructions on where you want to take it from. So the IRAs can be aggregated and the 401ks are each their own distinct bucket. Okay. All right. I understand. Uh, a lot of times nowadays, Warren, they're putting that required minimum distribution dollar amount on your monthly statement. Uh, so you might want to check that if they're a good custodian. Well, appreciate the help. Okay, mm-hmm. Warren, thanks for the call. 627-7979 if you have a question or comment about your own personal financial situation. It's probably um, it's one of the many good reasons you may want to consider consolidating when you retire because if you have all these different buckets, it does become a lot to keep track of. So we always like the idea of simplifying and consolidating. You can roll old 401k plans into your individual retirement accounts and just have one one distribution to worry about each year. All right, now's probably a good time. Take a quick break before we jump back into our conversation about what to do about your cash, how to maintain its safety, its liquidity, and eke out a little bit more investment return on your cash. We'll be talking about that right after the break. Get those calls in now, 627-7979. She's Allison, I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS. And welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, check us out online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. All right, tonight we're talking about uh, cash, what to do with your short-term savings money, your emergency fund. We are in a rising interest rate environment. That means uh, you know now you could probably make a little bit money in uh, on your cash holdings if you arrange it properly. Yes, so you want to give some thought to where you're going to park your cash because now it is starting to matter a little bit more. You want to take your time and think through some main factors when you're looking at what type of cash account would suit your extra money best. You want to think about access, 
How often will you need to access these funds? Um, do you need check writing? Is that a, does anybody write checks anymore? <laughs> <laughs> well, right. The checking account is going to become a misnomer. Like, my kids are like, what oh, is a check? Yeah, my stepdaughter got a check. <laughs> one or two years ago for Christmas and she literally was like, what is this? What do I do with this rectangular rectangular (laughs) piece of paper with writing on it? Yeah. So, well, you do want to think about access, whether you need quick access to this money or if it really is truly out of sight, out of mind. Um, You do want to start paying attention to interest. So different account types will give you more money for keeping your cash there. Um, But there are trade-offs. So the higher the interest, usually there are maybe higher fees or less access or some sort of trade-off. And then you want to consider service. Uh, Some people are fine with a completely online bank, and that suits them just fine. And there are others that still want that brick and mortar building with a branch where they can go in and talk to someone and get help. So that might guide your decision making on where to park your cash. And finally, penalties. You want to be aware of if there are any sort of penalties associated with getting access to your cash before a certain time frame so that you don't end up being penalized for accessing it. And to put a little bit uh, finer point on some of the numbers, um, we are starting to see now interest rates of above 4% on certain types of savings account vehicles. So 4 to 4.5% would be reasonable in this environment. Uh, We are certainly seeing some bank CDs around that level as well, some even 5% uh, if it's a longer-term CD. So... um, that's uh, that's a decent number. Of course, I guess to put it all in context, though, bank interest rates and inflation tend to march arm in arm. So the reason we're seeing higher interest rates on bank savings products is because we are also experiencing, unfortunately, higher rates of inflation. And while it's important to have some money in bank assets, typically in most environments, you're always going to earn a little bit less on uh, your bank savings rates than is than your experience in the prevailing rates of inflation. There can be anomalies from time to time, but that's why we want you to keep some money in the bank, but not too much extra. The excess money should be redirected in company retirement plans or invested for long-term growth if you're looking to maximize your net worth. Right. We do come across that a lot where people are are uh, they take a lot of comfort in those guarantees of the bank money, not realizing there is still risk in bank money. It's inflation risk and it is eating away at your purchasing power. So it's a balance between keeping what you need for short term and emergencies and trying to maximize your interest rate or rate of return. So probably the first and obvious place to park money in a bank and savings account is a checking account. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a checking account is really designed for spending. That is your transactional account for paying all your regular bills. Because it is a high transaction account, you typically earn the lowest amount of interest on your checking account. If you earn any interest at all on a checking account, uh, it's typically lower than whatever prevailing rates are. 
but that's not the main purpose of the checking account. The checking account is to make sure the bills are paid in timely fashion, so it's understandable that the rates would be lower there. So just don't overfund your checking account. I like to keep, uh, you know, the bare bones. Like by the end of the month, month. I'm getting close to zero it's there refreshing. before it's yeah before it's uh, reestablished. So the uh, the point of the checking account is transaction, pay the bills. You're going to earn the lowest rate of return out of that account. Um, don't load it up with excess cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about a month. The next step up from checking accounts are regular savings accounts. So savings accounts will earn a little bit more interest and usually have pretty low thresholds. So they don't often have a a high deposit amount required to get access to them to get a little bit of interest. Um, They might have a little bit of limitations when it comes to flexibility. So you might be limited on how many withdrawals or deposits you could make each month. So just make sure you're aware of what those limitations are and and you uh, take that into consideration when you plan how you're going to work your, your cash flow. But it's probably the next step up from a checking account where you can earn a little bit on your funds. Yeah, still have a lot of liquidity in a basic savings account, but then some of them, many of them come with some restrictions on how frequently you can access access that money. A lot of time it's six withdrawals in a monthly time period. So whether that's outright withdrawal from a teller window, from an ATM machine, or transferring from a savings account to a checking account to cover uh, bills, you're typically limited to uh, six a month. So you get a little higher interest rate, but then there's a little bit more of a restriction on how frequently you can access the cash. But that more six is typically more than enough in any uh, monthly period if you're using the account properly. Mm-hmm. A little bit of nuance here. You can often get better rates at banks that are online only because they don't have as much overhead. So if you're choosing a brick and mortar bank, you your rates might be lower naturally because they have more expenses. And you can sometimes get better rates when you uh, consolidate all of your savings into one account and have a higher level versus spreading it around into a lot of buckets. But, you know, I'm a fan of the bucket strategy. <laughs> the fewer the buckets, the fewer the problems. Yeah, and the better the rate, apparently. But <laughs> some people like me need buckets to achieve their goals. Right, well, then whatever <laughs> works, that's what's most important. <laughs> Uh, The next step up from a savings account then would be a high yield bank account. And this can come in a variety of different forms or names, depending on the financial institution that you use. But uh, it's uh, usually a uh, you get a higher rate of return than your checking or savings account, but also comes with more restrictions. So typically, you'll see a high-yield bank account might have a minimum deposit, say, of $5,000. So as long as you promise to keep at least $5,000 in there, then you get the, their preferred rate of return. Um, and then similarly to the savings account, usually also comes with some withdrawal or transfer restrictions. So you can't have unlimited access to the funds like you do your checking checking account. But that's a trade-off that you make for a little higher rate of return is a little bit uh, lower transactional use as well as committing to a minimum balance requirement gets you a higher rate of return. 
Yeah, so these accounts often don't come with an ATM card or they don't have free and free network of ATMs and you might have to transfer money electronically from this type of account to your checking account to get access to the funds. But again, it's designed for longer term savings that you're hopefully not accessing on a re regular basis so you can enjoy that higher interest. All right, we're going to pause right here. We're going to take a break for the news. Then we're going to jump into some more bank type of accounts that uh, still very safe, still very liquid, um, but you can maybe earn a little bit more interest than what you have in the past, certainly what you're earning on your, your checking account these days. As I said earlier, uh, we're probably seeing uh, in the range of 4 to 5% on some of these accounts, which is uh, not a bad deal if you're willing to uh, conform to some of the restrictions and some of the minimum deposit uh, levels in these accounts. All right, we're going to be right back after the news. Stick around. We'll be back with more. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS. Welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Once there, you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in the uh, dialog boxes there, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your name and address for. It's just to send you the information that you request. Or if you've got nuanced questions, want to speak to a live human being, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at the office, 456-2200. Want to remind everybody, our next show, our next live show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, April 11th at 6 p.m. as usual. But if you can't catch us live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month or get our rebroadcast Saturday morning after the show, then get the show as a podcast. Search for Dollars and Common Sense wherever you get your podcast. Download us, take us with you wherever you go and listen at your leisure. And for those of you into social media, we are on Facebook and LinkedIn, where we put up a interesting financial planning post every, at least once a week. Uh, search for Wealthway Financial Advisors, hit the like button, and we will be internet friends. All right, you got a question or comment relating to your own personal financial situation? Want to jump in on the conversation? Give us a call, studio line 627-7979. We've been talking tonight about cash and where to park it. So if you've got your emergency reserves or money set aside for rainy day or for expenses coming up in the next one to three years, where should you keep it? We started with the basics of a basic checking account that we recommend keeping very minimally funded, maybe just one month or so of, of liquid 
funds. And then the next step up from a checking account, we talked about savings accounts. You can maybe earn a little bit more, but it's not going to be your highest earning rate. And from there, high yield bank accounts, which might be a little bit higher than a savings account. And all these come, all these different account types that we're going to talk about come with slightly different features when it comes to access, interest, service, and penalties. So it's a good idea to really think about which which of those are important to you and which account type might suit you best. Right. Usually, um, the higher the interest rate from a bank product standpoint, the more restrictions come with it. So you give up a little ease of access, but you, in exchange, get a little higher rate of return. So uh, we went from checking to savings to high-yield bank accounts. High-yield bank accounts uh, typically put some... Uh, hurdles in front of you to, and for some people that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> you, you have to kind of go into a branch usually and request from uh, a teller or a live human being a money transfer out of these accounts. Typically, do not come with an ATM card or a checkbook to to um, uh, to write checks off of. Um, so you get a little bit more restriction, get a little higher rate of return there. Then another um, bank product that uh, we see used uh, a fair amount is a bank money market account. Uh, so FDIC insured, um, stable value, uh, does uh, come with the usually some access to it either via website um, or phone transfer system, that type of thing. Um, but then usually with a minimum deposit side, five, size five or $10,000, something like that, you promise to keep in that amount of money at least. And then in exchange, you earn a little bit higher interest rate on a money market deposit account. Yeah, we like these. They're kind of like a hybrid of between a checking and a savings account, but with a definitely a higher rate than you can get on a, a mm -hmm. savings account. So if you have, let's say, uh, one month of living expenses in your checking account and then you really have you know, solid income, don't expect to need to access your emergency reserves anytime soon, then a money market is a, is a really good option. You have definitely higher interest and um, still some flexibility mm -hmm. with it. And then from the money market, uh, we would see probably CDs being your next logical uh, option at a bank. Uh, so CDs, really certificates of deposit, um, just like checks are becoming a dinosaur with checking accounts, uh, actual certificates of deposits. Oh, uh, are, they're talking paper. Yes, they, they used to be. I in, didn't know uh, that. When I was first in banking, <laughs> there was an actual yeah, certificate. Actually, I do remember that now. That was typed up and uh, looks a little bit like a stock certificate. Mm -hmm. uh, so you promised to give the bank $5,000 and uh, they usually come in different terms. So six months a year, 18 months, two years, three years, five years, you commit to leave your money at the bank in exchange for this certificate and locking up a specific term and you get a higher rate of, uh, earn a higher rate of return. These are typically the highest rates of return that you can earn from bank products, but in exchange comes that illiquidity. Right. So if you withdraw your funds before the maturity date, then you pay a penalty. And 
The penalty amount will depend on your specific CD and when you make the withdrawal, but they really aren't designed for people that are going to need to cash them out early. Mm. So we get a lot of questions about CDs. I mean, the bank, the CD rates right now are, I think, up in the fives, near five. It depends on the term. Um, Generally, we still like a shorter term CD just to uh, not lock yourself into an interest rate for the next five years because we are still seeing movement in interest rates. Yeah. And keep in mind, our view on bank savings is this should be your most accessible, most liquid form of money. Um, Like Allison laid out from the beginning, it's this is where the emergency fund money is kept. And then anything above that, that you're going to use in a short-term nature. So anything within the next one to two years. So if you've got a big trip planned, uh, if you have home remodel projects due, you need that cash to be close at hand, liquid and accessible. All that falls under the uh, bank products of a checking account, savings account, um, high yield bank account or money market deposit account and certificates of deposit. Um, you know, if I were if I were to design it properly where you have your full complement of um, emergency funds set up, you could keep maybe one third of it in like checking and savings account, which are most liquid, but earn you the least, maybe a third of it in a money market type of deposit account at the bank. And then another third, which could be a little bit longer range, six months to a year, you might be able to commit to a CD a CD for that amount of time and earn yourself a higher rate of return, knowing that you have the other two buckets to draw from first. And it's there's a low probability you'd have to cash in that CD yeah, uh, before the maturity. I guess it depends on your definition of emergency, which varies very widely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, One other option for cash is to hold cash in a money market that's a a traded money market that's actually in your investment account. So everything we've covered so far has been at the bank, FDIC insured, but there are other cash options that operate like cash, but are are traded. And are outside of a bank and do not have FDIC insurance protection, but they are historically still very liquid and very safe money market instruments. So what we call is a money market fund, a money market mutual fund. So you would purchase these through all the the, you know, the major brokerages and uh, investment companies. So Vanguard has uh, a suite of money market funds, um, uh, Schwab, Ameritrade, a TD Ameritrade, um, Fidelity, um, large uh, mutual fund companies, uh, T. Rowe Price, Uh, American funds all have their version of a position traded mutual fund. So you have to make a conscious decision, uh, unlike your bank where, where like the checking account is the default uh, savings account or in a brokerage account usually has a bank savings account as the default account that captures incoming and outgoing cash. Uh, You would purchase these money market funds much like you would purchase a mutual fund. 
so however you would trade to buy mutual funds, that's how you would buy these money market funds. Um, their goal is to keep the uh, value of a share at $1. And except for some very brief crises points in times, one of them being the housing crisis of 2008-2009, um, where a couple money market funds did break the buck, it was called, and they traded below $1 slightly and briefly in time. So I don't want to stuck it out. Yeah, right. Sure. You, it would it would have been non-impact mm -hmm. if you stuck it out, uh, but they typically trade at one uh, at one dollar, and then um, each month they pay out an interest rate. Now these money market funds take your money and then they invest in other short, safe, short-term vehicles like other bank CDs, uh, short-term government securities, um, and then the interest that those vehicles throw off gets passed on to you, the holder of the money market fund. And those we are seeing uh, squarely in the 4.5% uh, rates of return right now. I like this idea for people, and you know who you are. Everybody knows themselves. I like this for people that have trouble keeping money in the bank. I mean, some people are just, if they have money in the bank, they will spend it. And that's okay. if that's you and you know that's you, this is a way you could build up cash that's not as accessible it just feels like you have to jump through hoops because you have to go to your broker or your uh, maybe investment advisor or log on to your investment account it just feels like a bigger deal to touch that money and so that can kind of put another roadblock between you and the cash that you're trying to keep on hand versus keeping it at the bank yeah psychologically it feels like it's a little further away because the position traded money market fund trades like a mutual fund doesn't behave like a mutual right. fund but it trades like one and just that little bit of extra hurdle can be a, just enough of a psychological barrier to make sure that you you don't touch that money except for real emergencies mm -hmm. yeah all right we're going to pause right here for a short break we're going to be right back after these messages get those calls in now 627-7979 she's allison i'm kevin you're listening to dollars and common sense on am 790 wnis And welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, check us out online at wealthwayadvisors.com. Once there, you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at wealthwayadvisors.com. Just go to that contact page, put your name and address in those drop-down uh, in those dialog boxes, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. Or you can give us a call at the office, speak to a live human being, 456-2200. Our next show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, April 11th at 6 p.m. as usual. 
But if you can't catch us live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month, get this show as a podcast. Search for Dollars and Common Sense wherever you get your podcasts. Download us, take us with you wherever you go. All right, tonight we're talking about what to do with your cash. Yes. Well, what you need to do is assess how much access you need to it, how much interest you want to earn, what kind of service you're looking for, and what kind of penalties you are willing, I guess, to sacrifice, depending on the product. We talked about basic bank products like checking accounts, which aren't aren't going to pay anything, much of anything, savings accounts, high-yield savings accounts, money markets, and CDs. So those are your typical FDIC bank-insured products. And I suppose I should throw in a plug there for credit unions as well. Yeah. Uh, while we're talking in the bank language, a lot of this all applies to credit unions as well. And you get... Um, SPIC, right? And NCUA oh, is the insurance. Oh, SPIC is investment, yeah. Right. <laughs> NCUA is the um, federal insurance program that protects uh, bank savings deposits similar to the FDIC insurance. So just a different program, but same protections, safe money. And on the note of FDIC or NCUA, if you have concerns about that. We talked about that in our last show, so you could go on our website or wherever you get your podcasts and listen to our thoughts on the bank crisis and FDIC insurance. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on, switching gears a little bit, we do get a lot of questions about bonds, and there are various types of bonds, and I think there are a lot of people out there that still think of bonds as a possible safe haven for their cash needs. Yeah, and we would say no, uh, that in most cases, a bond type of purchase, whether it be an individual bond or a bond fund, is not not the ideal place for cash instruments. Because while uh, you can purchase individual bonds, be they government bonds, municipal bonds, or corporate bonds, and there's a high, certainly with government bonds, there's, there's a near perfect certainty you are going to get your money back with interest while you hold that bond the price of the bond fluctuates and what we would not want to have happen is that you have to sell that bond at an inopportune point in time in order to return the principal back to you. And that's one of the risks that you take when investing in an individual bond or similarly in a bond fund on a daily basis or bond ETF, exchange traded fund. There, the ETFs will fluctuate throughout the course of the day. And then the uh, in a bond mutual fund, that's going to fluctuate at the end of each day. But they do fluctuate. And so the point of cash is to protect your cash from those short-term market movements. And that's why in most cases, we don't think bonds are an ideal vehicle for what we would earmark your cash, your emergency fund savings, and your short-term cash needs. Mm -hmm. Specifically, we get a lot of questions these days about I-bonds. So I-bonds are all the rage and in the news because they're paying a pretty significant interest rate above and beyond what you can get in the bank. They are uh, limited in the amount you can purchase them. So it's $10,000 
per person that can be purchased. And they, while they are exempt from state and local taxes, you do have to hold the bond for at least five years or there will, there will be a penalty. So again, right. it's a longer hold period. Right. So illiquid for most in, intents and purposes uh, that you can only get your money back when you pay a penalty. Five years is actually considered uh, a medium to long hold period. That's not an ideal use for your cash. Now, $10,000 in the whole scheme of things may not be a huge number to move the needle, but still, this would fall out of the purview from cash. Here's why we say that about that five-year period, because I-bonds, the interest rate, adjusts every six months. So you purchase it at you know, seven, eight percent, whatever it was paying the past six months, but that's going to adjust. And so that's the risk in holding it longer. Mm -hmm. So along those lines, while I-bonds are kind of the most popular right now and the most accessible to people, um, you know, you can just purchase a government bond, government bill, T-bill. You know, one-year T-bills are paying 4.5% approximately. So you hold it for one year, you will get 4.5% return. Uh, Interestingly, longer maturities of government bonds now are paying less than that. It's called inverted yield curve. We're not going to get into the complexity of that right now, but a three-year Treasury bill, 3.9%, five-year, 3.7%, and the 10-year, 3.6% approximately are the rates that they're paying. So while you can get some higher interest rates out of those safe government bonds, you will subject yourself to short-term movements of valuation of those bonds or those bond funds. And it's really not necessary when a lot of times in bank products right now, you can get four or 5%, especially with online bank accounts. If you're comfortable doing that, um, that's where you find some of the highest rates of return. Right. So emergency bank money, keep in the bank, everything else, our philosophy is invest it for long-term growth. If you're an investor, hopefully you're going to be an investor for the rest of your life. And very long-term growth-oriented investing has not as much risk as people perceive it does as in the short term. Right. There's very little risk in having less money in your investment accounts if done properly, um, if you're going to hold it for 10 years or longer. So that's a long time horizon. We could get into that in more detail, Mm -hmm. but we're running out of time here. We'll be back in two weeks on Tuesday, April 11th at 6 p.m. We'll pick it up there. In the meantime, for more information about us, check us out online at wealthwayadvisors.com. For certified Financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. You've been listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. Paid for by Wealthway Financial Advisors. We are solely responsible for its content.